Just wait for it to kick in a minute. All righty, Diane. And we should be good to go. Hello and welcome, Just a Family. I am your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator of Giving You Something to Talk About Live TV, as well as um, I created the movement, Women Supporting Women. Um, And that is one of my absolute favorite movements. So Today's episode, we are doing imposter syndrome and a lot of women and some men do experience imposter syndrome and just how devastating that can be for us as we are trying to create a business, even in front of our everyday lives. We experience it in our relationships, our everyday lives everywhere. So today's episode is sponsored by Genuine Conversations, which happens to be owned by Jennifer Beats our lovely co-host. So I'm going to ask everybody to like, follow, and share the show. If you have any questions, pop them into the comments. If you are catching the replay of this episode, please feel free to reach out to either myself or Jennifer. Link in the comments. Um, Genuine Conversations is offering you access to their three courses um, on shattering your limiting beliefs, which is part of imposter syndrome. So Jennifer, please introduce yourself. Oh, thank you so much, Melissa. What a wonderful introduction. And I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you here today, especially on a such an important platform where women are supporting women. And today, the topic of imposter syndrome is something I'm very passionate about as well, like you mentioned in the intro, many of us suffer from it and uh, myself included. Mm-hmm. Me as and well. So, yeah. Yep. Well, I'm happy to be here today so that we can dive deeper and kind of explore what imposter syndrome is and what are some ways we can overcome it. And I just look forward to diving deeper with you. Absolutely. Sounds great. And for anybody watching, um, Jennifer and I are both from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And I wanted to start off this episode by saying that even being raised, you know, you think in it being raised in Canada, right? We're the land of the free, we're, you know, wide open, we're very diverse and multicultured. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up in Winnipeg, that's that's like the equivalent of Chicago in the US. That's the equivalent mm-hmm. of, you know, Winnipeg is one of the most demeaned places in Canada because our standard of living is lower the conditions of our of our city are are lower so even being raised here we're conditioned to believe that we're not as you know bright or beautiful as Vancouver Toronto Calgary Edmonton right so we already have that ingrained in ourselves now when people ask me where are you from I'm like central Canada, right? Like the first thing I say is central Canada, but I've gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm not ashamed to be from Winnipeg. I'm not ashamed to be from Winnipeg. Being from Winnipeg is, you know, friendly Manitoba. I have the ability and I'm, a, I'm assuming you will agree, but correct me if I'm wrong after, um, growing up in Winnipeg, you're taught, you know, to be friendly to everybody, to say hi. If you walk down the street and somebody says hi to you, you say back. 
but being in Winnipeg, we're also taught that if you piss that person off, right? Like if you, if you walk up to somebody and, and I've lived in different provinces, okay. Living in those different provinces, the attitude and the immediate disrespect is just disgusting. And I said, do you even know where I'm from? They're like, nope. I said, I'm from Winnipeg. Now, Winnipeg, we are gracious and, and loving and, and, you know, genuine, right, to whoever we meet. Until you piss us off, then we're going to throat punch you. That's just the way it goes, right? This Tell is, it like it is, girl. It is, right? Growing up in Winnipeg. But we are conditioned. That's how we're if you're if you feel inclined. <laughs> so funnily enough, you say finding yourself before the goal. I, I still don't really know what my end goal is, but obviously it's to be a successful entrepreneur, which I'm get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But I actually started my first business as a piano tutor after desperation because I thought I was a rubbish pianist. But all I had left at that point in time was the ability to sort of play the piano. I did have grade eight at the age of 17, but by the wayside, I was actually so afraid of judgment that I wouldn't play the piano in public. So winding right back. Um, so basically 2020, I overcame, started to overcome a severe anxiety disorder, which I'd had from age 13. I was only diagnosed at age 27 back in 2013. And I only overcame it during lockdown. Winding right back of, finding the root cause of it was what helped me overcome it. So the root cause of it was the extreme fear of judgment through bullying. Um, perfectionism was a major one. So the bullying actually started when I was just four years old because I am mixed race. I'm half Chinese. The first bullying word uttered to me was a derogatory word for a Chinese person at the age of four. So that was funny a few years later as a piano teacher where there was an eight-year-old student who came to me and the subject of racism came up and they didn't know what racism was because I'd learned it at such an early age. I couldn't imagine a world where people didn't know what racism was. But apparently it's common around here that the kids don't know what it is. But that was my first experience of bullying. Back then, my mum was like, because my mum was the Chinese one, she was like, oh, just ignore it. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so obviously looking back, I know it was the, probably the parents influencing the kid because the kid at that age probably didn't know what he was talking about. But my mum said, ignore it. So I did ignore it. I was able to brush it off. And that was fine through primary school. I was actually quite a confident kid at primary school. I was in the football team, the cricket team, rugby team. I was quite sporty. Then secondary school happened. Secondary school, you're not allowed to play football. You're a girl. If you want to play football, make a girls team. I didn't want to make a girls team. I was one of the lads then. I wanted to play with the boys. So because they basically banned me from playing football and all the other boys sports, which included rugby and cricket, I lost complete interest in sports at that point, with the exception of badminton, which I did for PE because it was a choice in, I think, year nine. Um, but yeah, I lost interest in sport and I started to get bullied for how I looked because I was built like a rugby player. I had quite broad shoulders and I wasn't slim. I was never one of the slim girls. And I got bullied for being fat. I got bullied for being geeky because I was good at maths and I liked video games. I was bullied for being a swap because they thought I did all my work when I actually had a photographic memory. So I actually did none of the work and just pictured the textbook in my exams. So that's how I passed my GCSEs. Um, and basically... Everything that they called me, I was even bullied for having a boyfriend at the age of 13. It's like of all the things that you get bullied for, you wouldn't expect to get bullied for having a boyfriend. That was bizarre. But anyway, it happened. Um, but the boyfriend was the reason that I didn't skip school 
So I would have wanted to skip school a lot more had I not had a boyfriend to go and see at school. So that's what got me up in the morning when I started suffering with more anxiety. But boyfriends were also a problem because by the age of 16, I found myself in a love triangle. So that's the side bit that you don't expect an anxious person to find themselves in that situation. And that messed me up emotionally as well because I didn't know what I was supposed to think. Um, I was frustrated at society for telling me I could only have one boyfriend because I wanted two. You know, it was that bizarre at the time. Um, but it also allowed me to make those sort of mistakes as a child so that when the second love triangle happened at the age of 21, I was wiser to it. I knew how to sort my head out so I could make the right choice. Whereas the first one... I wanted both of them at the same time and I couldn't understand why it wasn't possible. But because I was so distracted on boys, my A-levels sort of didn't do as well as they should have done. So in the eyes of my parents, if I didn't get an A star, I'd basically failed. So never mind an A, B or a C, I'd failed if it wasn't an A star. I only got one A star for GCSE, but they were happy because I got mainly A's. So it's like, oh, you're just about okay. But A-levels, I didn't get a single A. So as far as my mum was concerned, I'd failed. Yes, I hadn't failed. I'd got into the university I wanted to go to. So I ended up in North Wales in Bangor, which is why I live in, I live on Anglesey now in North Wales. Um, so I basically came to Bangor and never left. Um, I only came to Bangor because I didn't get the grades for York because I wanted to go to York um, because most of my family are from there. Um, but I was so afraid of change. So the anxiety and the fear of judgment made me also afraid of change. So the school went, I stayed on at sixth form because I didn't have to go to college. Then I wanted to go to York because it was like not leaving home because I could go and live with an auntie or something. But life didn't go that way. So life was like, nope, you're going to Bangor. You don't know anyone in Bangor, but you're going. So I survived. Fast forward degree. I failed performance because of anxiety. Um, I actually did first study viola because I thought, oh, I can have three lessons on only one instrument. I'll pick my weak instrument, not my strong instrument. So I failed performance because I was too shaky. If you imagine playing a musical instrument while shaking, it's not going to come out well. Violin out of tune, piano, vibration, pedal, you know, it, it didn't sound good. Basically, by the end of my degree, no one really knew I played the piano and hardly anyone knew I played the viola. So it's like music student, what does she do? So I did composition because composition was basically the behind the scenes way of doing music so I could hide. Yeah. And I actually did a master's in At that time, I chose uh, to be educated in conflict resolution. And at that time, it wasn't well known, right? And so taking it out to the community, I was just talking to no one. <laughs> you know, um, it didn't land uh, very well in the beginning. Of course, it's gained traction now. And more people are having conversations about it now. And it's becoming normalized now for us to, to resolve conflict in healthy ways. However, just 10 years ago, when I graduated with it, I didn't look outside my window. There weren't a lot of people that were doing that. And so to your point, um, my imposter syndrome was off the charts at that time because, well, I had new information. And I was so eager and enthusiastic to share it, only I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have that inner belief in myself that what I had to share was worthy. Yeah. Uh, at that time, I allowed the external voices to overpower my, my voice. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. My own husband, and, and I love him, absolutely. 
Uh, good thing. Good thing. <laughs> he, when I first started, first started my coaching practices and, and the things that I'm, that I'm into now, it was, I, I always, my ideal clients were, were celebrities. They were people in power, people who had high profile positions who weren't happy with themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And in a way they were successful, but they had their own versions of imposter syndromes because they didn't know who they were and they couldn't express who they truly felt that they were for fear of ridicule or rejection or anything like that. Right. Um, yes. So he would tell me, well, don't tell people that right away. And I'm like, mm. but why not? Job being bullied most days by the manager, the office people. And I walked out the day that the office person told me to F off. So he swore I didn't. So yeah, um, I effed off and never went back. And I had a breakdown at that point. And it was basically like, I failed at life. The nine to five doesn't suit me. What else is left? And that's what led me to, taught me about four months to recover. And then I decided to be a piano teacher because we just moved house where this, where I could have a study that was downstairs. So I could move my piano from my childhood home. So I'm in my studio now with my galaxy wallpaper and I teach piano from there. Um, and it's my piano that I've always lived with. But at that point, I only became a piano teacher because I thought there was nothing else left. So I had no goals in sight then, no aspirations, nothing. I just like, right, that's all I've got left. I've, I've got to give it a go because I don't know what else I'd do. So for the first couple of years as a piano teacher, I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to network. I didn't know how to promote myself. So I relied on people, word of mouth, like neighbours, friends. Or the father-in-law got me in the local National Trust place to play piano. And I agreed to do that just because it was the idea of playing piano in the background where no one was listening to me. So I got the concept of being able to play a different piano, which I was excited about. But the fact that no one was potentially listening to me made me feel a bit more safe. Yeah. So I did that from 2016 right up until lockdown. But the tutor bit... I just floated and floated. In 2019, I was actually getting somewhere with people because people were were actually recommending me. And it hit lockdown and I lost two thirds of what I'd worked for since 2016. Overnight, they just went because, believe it or not, in this day and age on Anglesey, not everyone has proper internet, which is a problem when you've got to move online. So lockdown actually locked a lot of people out of my business um, and I couldn't do anything about it. So... That's why I joined Tropic. So still no goals, still no aspirations. But I needed the focus because I was sinking mentally. Um, I had had a hard 2019 where I was struggling with the end of sleep deprivation. So I had a baby in 2017. So he was about two at that time, still wasn't sleeping through. Um, and I ended up in hospital in 2019 um, because I'd basically eaten too much sugar. And rather than get get diabetes, my body decided to tell me the gallbladder was playing up and I had to go to hospital to have my gallbladder out. But I'm terrified of hospitals, so I refused to have it out and discharge myself. That was the point at which I had to kick up the bum to change my life because I was scared of hospitals and I didn't want to end up back in hospitals. So I literally hopped on a video game which came out the following month, which was called Ring Fit Adventure for Nintendo Switch. Um, running the community means I or, I've already got a foresight of what's coming out so I saw the fitness game I was going to get it anyway but I thought it would just be a novelty I'm still playing it nearly three years later um, through that I lost two stone through doing Ring Fit Adventure and I had to change my diet to eliminate the sugar and the fat 
I can say now I'm not, I've not eliminated. I can eat pretty much what I want within reason now. I've just got to be sensible and balanced, you know. Um, but I haven't triggered it again yet. So fingers crossed. But um, the focus was Tropic. So joining Tropic um, as a network marketing thing, it's quite commonly known that self-development is a sort of major part of being a network marketer. And I didn't know that until I joined. So about three months in, the sort of the doors all opened and it's like this is what is available have you looked into finding help and because everything was in lockdown everything was just on facebook it was like facebook group here facebook group there everyone's got a facebook group join them engage do all the challenges sign up for the freebies do what you can and by the end of 2020 well september i'd worked out what i wanted and who i wanted to be so i'd spent about well it was 2020, so since 2012 when I made my group for gaming, being scared of admitting that I was an adult gamer. So it was September 2020, I became head of Nintendo Players UK, and that was the point at time where I was like, right, I'm no longer scared to admit I'm a gamer, I'm ready. So I became the Tropic Pianist Gamer because I was ready, I'd done the self-development and the mindset um, shifts to be able to appreciate who I was and who I was meant to be because I've always been a gamer I've always been a pianist okay Tropic was a newer thing but Tropic gave me that drive to want to do better for myself and create a purpose for myself um so September 2020 was the full pivot point and then um I got my confidence for playing piano from that so I created a group for Tropic on Facebook and People were asking, oh, you play the piano. Can we hear your piano music? But I wouldn't do it. Someone introduced me to goal setting that October. Set a goal. Right, I'm going live on the piano at the end of November. I did it. I pressed go. I was terrified, but I pressed go. Next goal, live concert, full-length full live concert on piano. Did that. I'd pressed go again. I incorporated it to Tropic by saying, buy something Tropic, get a request. It worked really well, and I started getting people noticing what I was doing and like, hey, we like a bit of live music and Tropic. We'll join you. So 2021 started on a fresh slate, and it became eventually Jen's Musical Self-Care Den, which includes live piano music and Tropic goodies and a bit of gaming in there as well sometimes because I like um, tabletop games as well as video games. And it's basically embracing the fact today that I am a multi-passionate creative, whereas as the kid who was being bullied, I was constantly told I had too many hobbies and that wasn't it wasn't feasible to have that many hobbies. But now, because I can embrace it and appreciate that I am multi-passionate and a creative, I can have as many hobbies as I want and it doesn't matter because no one's judging me. Yeah. And that's where I am today. Very good. That's amazing. And for anybody watching or listening, that that happens so often. We're we're raised in a society of perfection, of everybody expects us to be perfect, except you know, you have cultural perfection, expectations that are cultural. You have expectations that are be from being a pianist. You have, right? Because if you're a pianist, you're supposed to be perfect at that. Sports. Yeah. Right. You've got sports perfection. You've got uh, music perfection. You've got uh, school studies perfection, cultural, right? Your family dynamics perfection. 
you have all of these aspects of your life that are creating the need to be perfect. (coughs) Sorry. That when you try to do anything for yourself, every ding that if you're not perfect, if you don't get straight A's, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you shake while you play the violin, if you, you know, uh, all of that, that's a ding to your personality or, or to your identity because you've been conditioned to believe that you need to be perfect. Right. So that can cause a lot of anxiety that can cause a lot of us and add in the bullying to that, add into, you know, all of that. And then you think when, when you have a perfection complex, which is basically what it was, is a perfection complex, not that you expected perfection, but it was expected of you. Right. You believe that in order to be happy, you have to be perfect. In order to succeed, you have to be perfect. In order to take risk, you have to be perfect. In order to achieve anything, you have to be perfect. And that creates a lot of the panic, the anxiety, the sense of identity going out the window because your sense of identity is tied into that perfection, right? I'm not okay. I'm not nice. I'm not beautiful. I'm not thin. I'm not pretty whatever the, the thought process is, it goes back to that belief that I need to be perfect, right? There are so many men and women in this, in, in society nowadays, especially close to our age, who have that myth of perfection, right? That my finances need to be perfect before I start my, my dream business. I, you know, I have to be a dentist because I can't be a starving artist, I have to be this because I can't be this. We get so caught up in, I have to do this before I do this, that we never end up doing this. And that's why we're doing this episode today, right? Is putting yourself before the goal. We need to stop doing that, right? We need, and, and not even, that's the thing. Putting yourself before the goal is a good thing and a negative thing all rolled into one because you should put yourself before the goal. At every step of the way, you're not putting yourself in front of the goal saying, I'll do that when I work on me. That's not how it's supposed to Mm -hmm. go, right? Saying, I'll be happy when I reach that goal. That doesn't work, right? Putting yourself first and saying, I love myself now. I'm happy with myself now. And I'm going to be happy now while I still continue trying to work on that goal. And that's, I think, where people get lost is they don't know that it's okay not to have it all figured out while you're working towards that goal. Being multi-passionate. I love that because I'm multi-passionate. Um, I have six businesses of my own and they've all come out of each other, right? And every one led me to the next one. Every situation led me to the next one. It is amazing being multi-passionate, whether that's a hobby, whether that's you know being an entrepreneur, you know, whatever that looks like. We are instinctively multi-passionate as, as women, as parents, as men, as women, because we do become parents. We do become partners. We do. There are so many roles and so many things in our life that bring us happiness and joy that we engage in all of them. I love to read. I love to drive the car. I love to listen to music. I, there's so many things that I enjoy doing. Why shouldn't I do them all? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tropic pianist gamer, <laughs> right? Quick yeah, question. I'm always so. Um, even though I don't, 
I don't have an end goal. I like to grow constantly. So that's why I'm now a writer on top of Tropic Vanish Gamer. Yep. So, yeah. Well, and that's the beautiful part. There, I, I'm, I hate to say this. I, I don't hate to say this. But as a wake-up call to everybody, there is no end goal. Our end goal is death, right? Because that's where we're all headed. None of us are, you know, as soon as we get to a goal, as soon as we achieve a goal, another one pops up. Right. And another one and another yeah. one and another one and another one. That's why I tell people that saying I'm going to be happy when. So if I was to say, OK, I'm going to be happy when I lose 60 pounds. Right. I, I'm going to be happy when that happens. But then I lose 60 pounds and I'm like, but now I don't now I have to buy an entire new wardrobe and I don't like shopping. You know, I do like shopping, but if I didn't like shopping, then I'm going to be upset because now I have to go and buy a whole new wardrobe, right? There's always going to be something else that comes up. It's, it's just the, the pattern of life, right? There's always going to be something different. There's always going to be another goal. There's always going to be another outcome. There's always going to be another hobby or another passion topic that, that we throw out there it's not the, the end goal that's the, that's the beautiful part. It's the journey between there, right? Your biggest strengths, your biggest achievements have been in that journey. Every journey that you took was to make yourself better, to make yourself stronger, to find the confidence and, and be the person that you wanted to be. Yeah. And people don't. So yeah, finding confidence, that's the main Working out what you want from life in passion. What is your passion? Because I've met a couple of people who just have no interests and no hobbies. And I wonder how they live, how they exist. Because it's like, I couldn't imagine life without any hobbies. It's bizarre for me. Yeah. But each to their own, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's crazy. And we all have passions and hobbies. And you never know. Those people might have passions and hobbies that they can't talk about. Um, because that does happen, right? It, it does every so often we have hobbies or passions that we don't like to talk about because they may not be appropriate to talk about. <laughs> so we won't go there. But um, well, yeah, it's ironic. It's ironic in a way because I'm multi-passionate now, but I was, um, when I was a teen and looking at possible career options, I was described as having a lack of initiative and a lack of enthusiasm for anything and no passion. So I was like, well, look at me now. Well, and that's <laughs> I'm the opposite. You, you always were passionate. And from the story that you told, right? And I'm mm -hmm. a connect the dot. I, I always connect dots. Um, you were multi-passionate. Look at your love triangles, right? Every one of those long love triangles meant that you <laughs> had an abundance of passion, right? And you were multi-passionate. It wasn't just one, one person or one scenario. The fact that you, you know, did the violin and you did tropics and you did gaming and, you know, um, at that point in your life, when that person said, you know, you aren't passionate and you have no initiative, you were most likely dealing with the anxiety, you're not going to step out of your comfort zone and say, I like that, that, that you could have been overwhelmed because you liked too many things and you couldn't pick one. So for that, but you didn't, yeah. want, you might not have wanted to voice that because you were quiet and you were, you know, just quiet. Yeah.
I'm also passionate about something. So I, I'm kind of scared to ask this question to one of our viewers, but what are you passionate about? Um, and I'm not going to read the comment if it's not uh, appropriate because some people, you know, we're, we're <laughs> as the show gets more popular, we do start to get uh, trolls and, and inappropriate comments. So <laughs> bear with me on that one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not right the way people think that, well, and I'm not, okay, I'm going to rephrase that because that sounds like it's shaming and I don't shame anybody. Um, but we need to learn as a society that it's okay to, you know, not be perfect. It's okay to not know what the next step is. It's okay to, you know, try to work on achieving your goal when you're still dealing with anxiety or depression or panic or, or any of those, you know, any, any other issue, right? If you're a, a mother or a father, you know, maybe you don't have the finances, maybe you don't have the time, maybe you don't have this or that, and you still want to create something. Why not? Why not even just, you know, write it down? There, there are so many different ways to, to achieve your goal it doesn't have to be taking action right away. It could be planning it. It could be, you know, doing research and take different steps and, and, you know, talk to different people about what it is you want to create. If you're somebody like me, you just jump right in. I jump right in. I do research and I jump right in. I literally, and, and I'm a different breed of, of human. Um, I literally decided I came up with the concept decided to launch it, named it and posted it in every area of Facebook I could possibly do. In one hour, I decided to create the show. One hour. I created it, I launched it, and I looked for guest speakers. All in one hour, because I knew what I wanted. I'd never been so clear. I knew what I wanted, and I went after it. That was the end of it. There was no question for me. It was, I knew what I wanted. Now, for anybody watching, even for you, because you're like, holy crap, I can, see the, I can see the wheels turning there. I had, when I first started the show, I had massive, massive stage fright. In order for me to do a video, it would take me 60 tries because even one little mistake and I'd be like, nope, don't like that one. I would take a hundred. My first video too. <laughs> I would take a hundred selfies only yeah. to go, well, that's not the worst one. And I would pick one out of the hundred and it was all, you know, so I created a show that felt good for me that worked my way. And I said, you know what, I'm done. I'm doing it. And I did it. And look where we are now. Um, so our viewer said um, they're passionate about their future, but at the same time you're nervous and that's totally fine. If you're feeling nervous and I'm, I'm sure Jen will help with that. If you're feeling nervous, yeah. um, you can choose to do it anyway. You can take baby steps. Um, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you. Quote. Yeah, there's a quote that says, feel the fear and do it anyway. That was one of the first ones I came across when I started my journey. And that mattered because I always had the fear, but I don't now. Literally, you were saying it took 60 attempts. I've, the first time I recorded myself playing the piano, it took me all day to record 10 songs because every mistake I made, I had to re-record it. And it literally got to something like seven or eight o'clock in the evening. And my husband was like, stop it. Just press publish and be done with it. It doesn't matter if there's mistakes, it just press it. 
and I was so stressed I just given up at that point I was like yeah whatever I'll just do it and I got amazing feedback from that and that encouraged me to do more so it's the feeling the fear and the selfies I used to do loads of takes and pick the best of the worst but now it's just like two minutes to eight quick selfie done post it later so I've got a selfie from this for example I took two minutes before I came on the call and I was happy with that first attempt you know because I've got used to sort of appreciating who I am what I look like mm -hmm. I actually yes I brushed my hair yes I put some lipstick on yes I'm wearing a dress I'm usually in a hoodie with my hair up no lipstick but I'll go live in my hoodie it doesn't bother me it depends what I'm doing that day if I've got time to put a dress on I will but sometimes I don't I'm I'm just I just pop on quickly and I'm like here I am take me as I am it doesn't bother me anymore so but that has taken two years of self-development to do. So that's not just off the cuff. That yeah. I've felt the fear a million times to be able to do that. You know, it takes time. It's not um, an overnight thing. I have three. Yeah, if once you start. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of team hoodies because Nintendo Northverse has merch and I've got Tropic hoodie. And I've, I've just ordered a Tropic Pianis Gamer hoodie as well. So I'll be branded Ooh. as well soon. That'd be nice. Um, Winston Churchill quoted that failure is the stepping stone to success. That's all it is. So feeling the fear and doing it anyway, obviously there is the chance of failure, but failure isn't what it's, what, what everybody thinks it is. Failure is when you fail at something, that's when you learn how not to do it. That's yeah. when you learn what you like and what you don't like. That's how you learn, okay, I didn't like doing it that way and it didn't really work. I'm going to try it the way I really want to try it. And you're going to find, you're going to find yeah. a way to do it, right? Failure for me, I always say failure is the springboards because when you fail or any negativity is like a springboard. If you're a gymnast and you're running towards that springboard and you got to jump, you hit that springboard and that thing just launches you into the air to do whatever flips and twists and, you know, grand uh, gymnast things that I don't know how to do. <laughs> right. And it launches you to the next. <laughs> no, <step>. me neither. <laughs> but it does. It, it, it launches you to the next step. And that's what, that's what that failure does. Right. It launches you to the next step that, okay, it's okay to do that. Right. It's okay to take that next step. It's okay to yeah. fail you learn from that. Um, like I'm really very deep thinking kind of person, like anything, even I think on small things, I start thinking a lot how to cope with that. Um, I can answer that one. Um, so I'm a very analytical person, hundred uh, percent analytical. I think of things from so many different perspectives and I can get caught up in my head thinking of all the various ways that something can happen or that something does happen. Um, put my family, for, exa for ex example, if my family says, oh, I'm on my way and they're not here in the time frame that they're supposed to hear to be here, all of a sudden I'm thinking all of the scenarios, right? Uh, did they catch a red light? Did they get into an accident? Used to do I start going through all of those scenarios. Now I, I know that I do that. So I just, I, I have half my family. I search, um, most of my family that has cell phones, I can ping their location whenever I want. Like I stalk them. I love my family. They know <laughs> that I do it 
they know that I do it, but they've been, they've given me the ability to do it where I'm like, okay, you're not home yet. Where are you? <laughs> I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you are. I just want to make sure that you're still moving. <laughs> Of a what? Sorry. It reminds me of a slightly funny story. That um, a, fu- a slightly funny story. If if you've got time for me to tell it. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, we're on holiday with a group of friends, and it was the first night, and everyone went shopping because they realised the online delivery wouldn't be available till the next morning. So they went physically. They left me behind to keep the door open for the people who hadn't arrived yet. So there's a group. There's a car load had gone shopping. They stopped on a roundabout, and I tracked my brother's phone. To me and my brother do it for a laugh. And we just got like iPhones then. So I was tracking his location and realised they stopped at a roundabout for half an hour. So I was thinking all the possible, oh my God, they've been in a crash. Oh my God, something's happened. And about an hour later than anticipated, they they all walked through the door. Oh yeah, we just popped to a McDonald's. Bearing in mind, it was 9pm and I hadn't had tea at that point. I was absolutely starving. They'd gone for a McDonald's without me. I was really, really angry at that one. And, and my husband was part of that. And he just shrugged it. He's like, what are you worried about? We just popped for McDonald's. I'm just like, seriously? Yeah, yes. let me know. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so negative things. So you think a lot of negative things. It, you know what? Most of us do. It, that's, that's a human nature thing. It is human nature to automatically go into the negative thoughts and the negative what ifs, the all of that stuff without knowing full context of, of exactly like without knowing an actual situation um, or an example on your end, then I wouldn't be able to specifically give you like ways to stop that. But one of the things that I tell my own clients is that when you are feeling negative emotions or having negative thoughts, let your, let them come, let them come. Don't try to push them away. Don't try to suppress them. Let them come and try to figure out why you're having those thoughts. Is it something that you're afraid of doing? Is it a something that, um, and again, that's situationally dependent, right? If you're thinking about taking a next step, then you would have the fear, you would have the anxiety, you'd have the panic, you'd have the what ifs, the can I do this? Should I do this? All of those negative thoughts. And a lot of the times when we go through the negative thoughts, it's actually a belief within our mindset that's saying you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. And I always say, feel into it and then ask yourself, is this my thought process? Is this what I think or believe, or is this somebody else's thought? Is this somebody else's process that I'm trying to put into place? We instinctually, uh, whether you're spiritual or not, uh, we instinctually have the answers within ourselves are, uh, we will be doing an episode on that actually, uh, later on where all of those answers are within you, right? All of those answers are your capability to say, you know, feel into it, your gut instinct, your, you know, when I'm on the right path, I get full body goosebumps, full body goosebumps. If I'm talking about something and it's the right thing for me to be doing at the right time, full body goosebumps. And then I'm like full bore, I go, Um, no questions asked. I go full bore. And that's my way of saying yes, like a full body. Yes, there are, but I get out of my own head. I remove the emotions and I say, okay, I'm going to feel the emotions. I'm going to feel the fear. I'm going to feel the, the anxiety and the panic and the, 
all the what ifs that are causing me to, you know, my heart palpitate and hard time breathing and everything else that goes with the panic and anxiety and those negative thoughts and go, okay, whatever you got to just calm, right? Like deep breaths, just take those deep breaths, relax your body. Those emotions start to fade. If you allow them to just come and go, when you relax and you take yourself out of the emotional questions, then you can start thinking logically, right? My biggest thing is the biggest question most people ask is what if you fail, but what if you succeed? But what if you succeed? Right. Exactly. What if you like yeah. how beautiful would that, would that feel if you succeed? Um, so I am 38. I'll be 39 this year uh, because we're asking how old we are. Um, how old are you? If you don't mind sharing. I, I'm 36 next month. Yeah. So I'm 39. So 35. Yeah. Uh, I'll be 39 this year. So, but I work with people who are, so for anybody watching and I'm not promoting, I'm just giving context. Um, I'm an identity coach, a spiritual teacher, a business mentor, talk show host and founder of just alive TV, as well as I have the women supporting women network, um, that I've created and, and will be super launching soon, but I've worked with men and women from 20, not even 20 teens, um, into seventies. Um, I think one of my, one of my people was 17. My son is 19. Actually my children range eight, 13, 18 and 20. And I've worked with a lot of teens. My, my oldest, my 20 year old is actually the reason I started coaching in the first place, uh, because of his struggles in his teens that I wanted to help with. So now I, I do work with other teams on, on what they're doing, but you know what, at 16, cause our, our viewer is 16, um, at 16, you got a lot of stress. There's a, there's so much stress being a teen. 16 was my love triangle. <laughs> yeah. 16. My goodness. Once you hit 12, I, I'm sorry. I'm so passionate about children and everybody says that kids have it easy. They don't, children don't have it easy. No. You are constantly trying to figure out who you are, what your path is, where your purpose is, where you fit in to your family, to your friends, to, your, to everything, right? And you're trying to build this, this, your whole identity from the time you're born until you're like 18, 20. And even then, most people don't know who they are, um, which is why I do what I do. But it's okay. Just give yourself some grace. Give yourself some calm time to... It is okay if you don't have it figured out. It is okay that you don't know or you don't understand. It is okay to ask for help. Yeah, see, uh, they're saying they had this problem since they were 11. Absolutely. You have yeah. friendship changes. You have school changes. You know, when you go from, and I'm in Canada, so when you go from elementary to high junior high and high school, everything changes, right? You've got hormonal changes you've got friendship changes you've got love changes physical changes all of these things going on and it's like where do I fit in right where do I fit in because as a society we tell people that they have to fit it you don't have to fit into nothing you literally do not have to fit into anybody else's bubble you can be yeah. you want to be you can express who you want to be and you should be safe enough to express who you truly are at every stage of your life. So um, check out some of our other episodes. We've done some on teens. 
Um, and yeah, if you want to reach out, absolutely yeah. feel free to reach out to Jen or I because we definitely the, the age thing. I remember helping some eleven-year-olds as part of my degree, like um, as an extracurricular thing, helping them decide what they wanted to do at university. And I was just like, "How is an eleven-year-old supposed to know what they want to do at university?" I was at university. I didn't know what I wanted to do as an adult. It literally took me until I was 34 to decide what I wanted to do as a grown-up. So it's, ne it's never too late either because I've been on my self-development journey and by the age of 35, I'd say I know who I am and who I want to be. But there's people well into the 60s who don't work it out until the 60s who finally know who they want to be. Yep. But it's never too late, never too early to work it out either. Whenever it. you're ready is the right time. Yeah, I love that you said that. That's Jen, that's amazing because that is so true. It's never too early and it's never too late um, to, to start. It, it, it really isn't. I, and again, I've worked with people 18, you know, even younger, right? And I can't, I, I can say that I've worked with teens, but most of them have been either my family or, you know, my kids. But um, interacting with people is always a fun one, trust me. <laughs> I know that one. I always say I love everybody, but I hate them all too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, interacting with people is diff is is can be difficult, um, especially with you know anxiety, with panic. Um, if you're spiritual, there are a lot of spiritual people who are empaths or mediums, even psychics who have trouble. Um, being in social settings because of the energy of other people. So if you're interested in energy work, that might be, um, or understanding what energy is, that might be something because I know for myself, um, I had trouble being in, in large groups of people because I would pick up on everybody else's feelings and emotions and be like, whoa, like you're just so overwhelming. And it, it was just, it was debilitating. Um, plus not the communication with people. Uh, one of the reasons I have the show is to, to showcase true communication without having, excuse me, I've got the hiccups, um, without having to feel judged or be judged or, you know, a safe space for people to talk and, and communicate. That's one of the reasons I created the show. That's one of the reasons I created Women Supporting Women, because, you know, we need to have safe space. We need to have places where we aren't judged, where we get support, where we you know, somebody can pick us up when we're feeling down and, you know, celebrate our wins with us and, you know, put you on the chair and go, yay, <laughs> whatever that looks like. Right. Um, Find your tribe. That's an important thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Find, so, finding your tribe. That's what allowed, lockdown allowed me to do was find my tribe. So yeah. I can say I found them now. Whereas I went right up through early adulthood from teens, I struggled to make lasting friends because anxiety just got in the way all the time. Yeah. And yeah. it's nice to have a tribe. <laughs> there's, there's also a lack of trust, right? Um, with society yeah. today, if you're not perfect, if you're not um, one little mistake, one lack of communication. And it's like this horrible, horribly debilitating trust issue where it's like, can I tell you what my problem is? Because I don't know if I can trust you. And trust is a huge one these days. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of people yeah. who feel that lack. Mm -hmm. So yeah, as a difference now, because I've learned the resilience, I'm not afraid to 
say say if that happens i'm not afraid to reach out to the person and say can you tell me what i've done to upset you and i want to make it right because i've done that a couple of times in the last year and they've come back to me and said yes actually you've done this so i've acknowledged that with them and apologized for it and we've made up so it's a vast improvement on what i wasn't able to do originally yeah but i know not everyone can do that well yeah so i don't like it because my nature okay so this person said, and I'm sorry, I don't know um, what you identify as um, from your name. So, um, no, what is in my case is like, I'm good at studying, but I don't like to interact with people. I don't like it because my nature is to evolve and, and with any person. But at the same time, I start thinking, how can someone be smarter than me? I think that comes down to, again, the level of perfection, right? And feeling like like you have to be perfect or you have to be better and that's not a conceit thing. That's, you know, we're conditioned to think that way. Um, I don't think there is anybody who is smarter or not as smart as I am, right? We're, we're all smart in different ways. We all have different, different skills and different abilities. And I think that if as a, as a society, if we utilized and embraced other people's skill sets and what they're good at, then that that opens a line of communication like employers we're going to be doing an episode on that too in the future um where employers can focus on a on an employee's certain skill set and have that right what they're comfortable doing um and make sure that employees are comfortable doing what they're doing and not be you know put into a position that drains them or or anything along those lines but yeah all right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share about, you know, putting yourself before the goal and, and exactly what we were talking about and creating um, the ability to take the leap without feeling like you need to be perfect? Yeah. So the writer part, I've actually got a book that's out in less than three days um, on Sunday, which is Tales of an Anxiety Warrior. I should say, shatter your limiting beliefs and create a better life for yourself. Create that confidence and that self-love and create genuine connection. Mm, I love it. So yes, important. Melissa. So important. Um, yes. And thank you so much for connecting with me today. It was such a pleasure to be a guest on your show today. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. So Anybody watching, please like, follow, and share the show. We do have a newsletter on the website at justalivetv.com. We have a bunch of new and exciting things coming up for you. Um, and I'm not going to tell you those right now, but you'll just have to wait and see. Again, like, follow, and share on your social media platforms. Join our newsletter. Also, I would like to express that if you would like to reach out to either myself or to Jennifer, you can do so. Our links are in the description of this video or, or podcast, however you're watching or listening. You can go to the website or YouTube or uh, many of our multiple social media platforms and catch up on episodes that you may not have seen. And for everybody, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Awesome. Bye. So we're losing part of our sharing our stories with people who who might need to hear them somehow in some way. And and I think that's you know that that's why we need to do our creative writing. Because at the very least, it's allowing our voice to come out onto a paper so that it can be in some way. 
whether it's just to heal ourselves or to help somebody else maybe heal when, when you let it be go more than yourself. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? We are just don't about at that scared. time. <laughs> yeah, just don't be scared to write or do whatever your creative thing is. I'm not a painter and my kids had me painting three weeks ago because that was our family activity. And I am like, compared to them, I'm a horror painter. Like they, they have more painting skills in their hands than I have in my entire body. And yet I just, I, I kind of allowed myself to relax into that creativity. And I actually painted something that I actually kind of like. Like it's not as elaborate and ornate as theirs are, but I didn't cringe when I was done. So it, it's part of just allow yourself to have that creativity because that that's part of who you are. I mean, it that way, right? Their may their experience may have been be able to shift between the two, but want to, and and so relax into it, be brave, don't be scared to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I'm not very good artistically. <laughs> not in the slightest um who was it who said was it you that said the other day that you're a stick fin stick figure somebody said they were a stick figure um painter drawer artist uh, apparently that's fair as i said no i was the you know horrible controlling mother but um but yes but it is perspective right we, and you are completely right we do have a choice our choice is how we how we experience it's how we learn it's how we grow i like you i was raised in a in an anglican household we went to church every weekend we you know mm -hmm. i went to sunday school and was very much raised in a in a religious household and in my teens i decided i wasn't i i didn't believe in god and i didn't want to follow a religious path and do I fault anybody else who does? Absolutely not. I, I love that you embrace your religion because that's, we're all different, right? right. Our, our paths are different. Our purposes are different. Our, our meanings that we take from everything that we learn is different. And I, I love how you've taken those and created a young and successful life so far. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. So um, if I think we have like just a couple more minutes left, uh, there's just one thing that I want to add because I think it's relevant. Please do. Um, and it's about, it's about education. Um, if there's any doubt in your mind about, um, about college, if you're young, there's any doubt, respect that doubt because college is not for everybody and it really depends on what you do your time and attention are the two most valuable resources that you have college is an investment in money but most importantly it's an investment in time and attention mm 